I'm okay with being recorded because we're actually going to use this as a podcast and, and potentially, you know, some video stuff too. But recruiting connections, what we're trying to do is I didn't want to get pigeonholed into any one topic. That's kind of one, one thing that, that I've noticed about a lot of these recruiting podcasts mm-hmm. is they focus on connecting with candidates, connecting with clients, internal operations, technology. I wanted to find a topic that would allow me to interview people and talk with people from all aspects of the recruiting industry with a bent on the value in connections and connecting, connecting thoughts with data. And that's kind of with your specialty and with what you focus on is at the heart of making the connections in society, making the connections in and seeing it with my wife. My wife had imposter syndrome. She's a physician. She's a total badass, Mm -hmm. but she didn't think that she could go the leadership route because she's never worked for anyone that was female. She's only ever had male bosses. Mm -hmm. And now then she moves to, to Vanderbilt she has a female boss, female mentor. There's a, a woman in, uh, that is the president of the entire medical center. And so she sees what's possible. And just in the short period of time, in three years, in three years is a very short period of time in an academic hospital. She's been able to make the connections internally that have given her all the tools and resources she needs in order to kind of move up the ladder. And she's getting promoted a couple of times. I can't talk about what she's getting promoted to because it still hasn't happened yet but it's coming. But these are all things that wouldn't have happened at her previous institution because she didn't have a mentor. She didn't have someone to emulate. She didn't have the internal connections between her potential and what was possible. And so at Vanderbilt, she's been given a connection between those two things. And she has been progressing, getting more and more responsibility, more and more leadership opportunities. She's on internal boards that are geared towards helping her become a better leader and showing more impact. It's just an amazing thing to see her you know, blossom as this leader that I, I've always seen her, her becoming. Right on. I can I can see how proud you are of her in the way you your eyes light up when you're telling that story. That's great. I think I think men and women both suffer from imposter syndrome, but women have it, it can be so much more crushing for women because we've grown up in this society, especially in business that has been created by men for the success of men. And there are just so many additional barriers. And then you don't have as many women role models and you have male leaders that are sometimes very dismissive of you and you tend to be overlooked. There's some documented studies that you know, men are hired on potential, women are hired on what they've accomplished already. So women have to just get there and try, work so much harder to get those promotions and, and raises and get into leadership. So that imposter syndrome can just become so much more of a thing in our heads because yes. of that. Well, we kind of got ahead of ourselves. The thing is, I love to you know just jump right into it. But you know, Luann, you know, please introduce yourself and what you do and why you do it that way. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk about what I'm working on. I am the founder of CEOX. I started CEOX because I had been working in venture capital. And honestly, I think venture capital is broken for women on many different levels. There aren't enough women decision makers at funds. Women-led companies are not getting enough of the money from venture funds. And then this issue that 
I'm solving for, which is that it's not uncommon for founding CEOs to be replaced through the growth cycle of their companies. And it's definitely not something that happens every day or that anybody wants to have happen, but it does because not all founders have a growth and scale skill set. And really that high growth is what venture funds are looking for. And because of that, they'll sometimes need to be replaced. And what I really found is that after watching this happen is like, it was always men getting those roles. It really hit home when it happened to be a women's healthcare platform for tracking your fertility. And sure enough, they replaced that founder with a man. And that was my aha moment of like, okay, the system is broken here. Can I fix it? And as I dug in, I found that the traditional recruiting business model does not work well for these early stage companies and the funds that are investing in them simply because these early stage companies don't have the funds to pay for the full services of an executive recruiter. So what I did was, okay, I'm going to be less of a recruiter and just more of a matchmaker. I'm going to go out and find all of these amazing women who would make great CEOs and have them in my database so that when these funds are replacing a CEO or smaller companies that are looking for new CEOs to replace themselves, that they can ensure women are being considered for these roles. So that be the case, I started CEOX. I started talking to amazing women. And now we're placing women into CEO roles. That's amazing. And, you know, as a recruiter myself, I have seen a lot of the challenges that you've mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. it's human nature to want to surround yourself with people like yourself. Yep. And unless you're made aware that that's what you're doing, yep. nothing changes. And that's I right. think, you know, we had a client recently, you know, was a SVP of business development mm-hmm. in the biopharma space. And our client, wanted to hire, you know, prioritize us reaching out to women who are in the VP or level or above business development roles in biopharma. There are five <laughs> like that had the skill set out of about 50 candidates mm-hmm. that we were able to do, identify in the research. And I explained, I said, Hey, you know, if that's the case, I will contact these five, but if we go one level below, it's going to be 50. We'll have 50 women to contact Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the diversity initiatives, the awareness of the lack of female representation in BD roles became apparent maybe two or three years ago. I wasn't part of it, but you Mm -hmm. can see where women started to get into leadership roles at numbers that did not reflect four or five years before where these women, these five women came from. And so when I explained that, he goes, well, they don't have the right experience. It's like, okay, do you want a woman in the role or do you want to hire for potential. And I convinced him, I showed him the data. I showed him the profiles and he opened up the criteria for the potential that these women could have in the role rather than looking for a lateral move. I'm always talking about hiring and searching for talent versus experience, because if you're just looking at experience, you're missing talent. You know, talented is evenly distributed. Um, Experience and opportunities is definitely not. And so just looking for experience, you're going to miss out on some amazing people. You're definitely missing out on diverse people if you if you're doing that. Yeah, and that's what we did was we just showed the data. We Mm -hmm. showed what 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 happened when we open it up to potential versus a lateral move. Yeah. And, and once we did that, it was like, absolutely, let's do it. 
There was yep. an energy there and that's been, you know, very successful in helping us to, to, to broaden the aperture. Wonderful. That's what I talk to the VC clients that I have because women-led companies are shown to grow faster, generate more revenue, use invested dollars to better effect. So there's a real economic reason that venture funds should be doing a better job of finding women to lead their company. Well, and, and the other thing about that, I'm going to make an assumptive question. Okay. Um, my assumption is that women are also much more mindful about di- building out diverse teams, either thought or ethnic or gen, you know, be it all three of those things. And that has been shown in HBR and McKinsey studies. The more diverse company is, the the more higher performing they are. So is that is that part of the way that why reasons why female? Yeah, you're. Companies? I mean, you mentioned it already that you're right. Women led companies have more diverse companies. More diverse companies perform better. Typically, it's because they're able to solve problems for a wider assortment of people on our earth. You know, they're they're not just solving for one vertical, uh, one category of person. They're they're understanding the needs of all kinds of different people because they're getting the input from their employees that are experiencing that and living that life. And so when you can find and create solutions that are appealing to a larger segment of the population, you're going to make more money. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say employee retention is probably higher. Customer retention is probably higher. Favorite statistic on women-like companies is that they have happier employees. And I just think, how would the world be better if there were more happy employees out there? And it's also something I get when people question what I'm doing, because I happen to be raising two boys. And I often get a question of like, why are you focusing so much on women? Aren't you concerned about your boys that you're raising? And I'm like, geez, if they could work for a woman and be a happy employee, I I think that's a great win. I also think that if there are more women out there raising the bar for them to have to meet, I'm fine with that too. I don't want to raise any mediocre males. I want to raise really impactful, wonderful human beings. But what you're trying to do in, in, in your career is you're trying to remove the finger off the scale. You want yes. to make an even playing field. Mm-hmm. You don't want the finger, you don't want there to be a bias towards your boys. Exactly. Because they're boys. You, yeah. You, yeah. If we could all just be, understand what make great leaders and not have to pay attention to gender or anything else, but then we can get to the point where we really are hiring the best person and be confident in that and know that we're not overlooking some amazing talent. Yeah. You know, what's funny, you know, my daughter's now eight. I have one child, my daughter's eight. When she was almost four, someone asked her, what does your mom do? She works. (laughs) What's your daddy do? Cooks. (laughs) And I'm also part of a group called dads married to doctors. Mm Mm-hmm. And our number one responsibility is to help men understand that it's okay that they're in a support role. Right. I think there's, there is some conflict. You're going to make it harder for your boys to succeed. Mm -hmm. There's that idea that 
just because I'm going to make it a more even playing field, I'm ruining it for somebody else. There's Mm -hmm. also that psychological impact of, okay, maybe I don't have to be this uber masculine person that asks for a sandwich all the time. I think that when women are in charge and creating workplaces that are so much more flexible, the men also get to benefit from that, right? That means the men get to leave work at three to pick up their kids from school and go to their soccer games. Not just, it's not just the women's job anymore to do that. And I think that's huge for our society to have that flexibility, Mm -hmm. that tolerance in the workplace that allows us to be more present for our family, because ultimately that makes us more productive in our work. Yeah. And you know, our company, the last time we did the metrics, we were 61% female in the firm. And you know, we have a, a lactation room. And it's not a common thing in Nashville, let alone, you know, Tennessee. We have flexible work hours. We have the flexibility that if you've got to work from home, if you've got childcare issues, you got, you know, be home. If you got to come in late because you got to take your kid to the doctor, do it. So it, you know, we have that kind of mindset and we have always yeah. had that kind of mindset. And it's led to us having a very diverse employee base, higher than normal retention rates. And it makes it easier to recruit. I believe it. I should tell you the story of how I had to make my own lactation room when I was working back in the day. (laughs) It it ended up being in a not oft used parts supply room and not exactly what you would consider a nice place to hang out and pump breast milk, but you know, we made it happen. Jen at Stanford, she had to make a makeshift lactation room. Nope. We made a dedicated room. We brought in our pump that we Love had it. at home. And so it's, it's still in there. And I, I've got the most comfortable office chair in that room. <laughs> There's a refrigerator and a mirror. Evidently you're supposed to have a mirror. I didn't get that. I brought in my own chair. There was no lock on the door. So <laughs> I brought in like a panel, one of those trifold panels to set up in case somebody accidentally walked in, which of course happened from time to time. You know, we do what we have to do and it works. Um, yeah. I was, at the time, I mean, I was just glad that I got a little space that was not in the bathroom. So that's great because that's never fun. When it comes to when you first started and you started connecting with these, you know, dynamic women, and how did you go about communicating in those connections? How did you go about communicating the value of what you were building and wanted to build? So, in general, every woman I would talk to understood the problem and understood what I was trying to do. I also made it clear that I had no idea if it would work at the beginning. And I said, you know, you might just sit here and not really hear much from me and not hear about opportunities. Opportunities, but this is my plan. And I've just, I've always been the kind of person that tells it like it is. And I was straightforward with what I was doing. And I think everyone appreciated that. At the beginning, I didn't really try to engage the women beyond just, I would meet with them. I'd get a sense of what they were looking for. I'd get a sense of their skill set, and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously keep that all in my database. But then after several months of meeting all these amazing women, I was like, let's figure out how to bring them 
together. And so that's been the other part of CEOX is bringing these women together and so that they can help each other. I've actually had two C-suite roles hired from women that met them through CEOX. And so they've just gone off and done that. Um, the goal with the community is really to be that support structure so that when they are in these CEO roles, they have all these amazing women that they can tap into, whether it's for just networking and trying to find the right person to maybe answer a question or problem solving. And that I find that that networking part is the really fulfilling part of what I'm doing because I get to talk to all these amazing women myself. I feel like I've hit the lottery every day when I get off the phone and I get to sit at at dinner and tell my family who I talked to that day. And it's always like, oh my gosh, earlier this week, I, I got to talk to an executive at Pokemon. So talk about really being able to impress my 10 year old. He's like, whoa, mom. <laughs> That's awesome. If you don't have the leadership mentors in your current opportunity, like my wife, as soon as she got to Vanderbilt, she had female leadership that was mentoring yeah. her. And that led to more confidence you know, mm -hmm. in herself and her skill set. I'm glad you've built that. If there's someone listening, how does how would she go about getting in touch with you to to join the network? Yeah. So first of all, she can reach out to me, emails Luann at projectceox.com. If you go to my website, projectceox.com, you'll find contact information too. In general, most of the women are referred in mm -hmm. um, by senior leaders who can say, yeah, I've worked with this person in the past. She would make an amazing CEO. So that's how I find most of the women. I'm not actually going out and trying to find them myself. You know, and again, in regards to, I try to say the word connections a whole bunch mm -hmm. so that if eventually, if this becomes a really popular podcast, I want it to be a drinking game. Like anytime <laughs> I use the word connect, connections, connecting, you got to take a shot of something. In the office, it would be Sprite or coffee. But yeah. if they're listening at home, go ahead. What about young women that want to be a CEO or want to be an entrepreneur down the road, what kinds of resources are there for women that aspire? They're just entering the workforce yeah. and, and you know, out of college or out of high school, and they know that they want to build a business or invent something or, or take, bring something to market. What are some of your, what's your advice to, for those women, you know, for who should they be connecting with? What information should they be looking for to, mm -hmm. to get them to where they go, want to go? Well, first of all, when, Ever I talk to younger women, including little girls, I always mention CEO as a possibility for them because in general, that's not something you think about as a little girl or as a young woman. CEO is just so far beyond where you think your career is going to go. So I like to plant that seed early. So any young woman out there listening should be thinking, I will be a CEO one day. I might not know where that path is, how to get there, but it's going to happen because I'm a big believer that if you start thinking about it now, it's going to happen a lot sooner. I interview CEOs. They're all on my website. The point is to be really informative for people aspiring to be CEOs. So those are great resources. But most of the CEOs I talked to didn't 
think about becoming a CEO until much later in life. And I think they all regret that just a tish in the sense that they had they realized that potential sooner, they probably would have been a CEO sooner. And so I think that's a huge, simple thing to do is envision it and make sure it's on your plan. The other thing is, as you mentioned earlier, just having sponsors and mentors. Mentors are important early on to really learn but then as you become more and more successful and good at your job, I think it's more important to have that sponsor. And the, the difference being for those who might not know the difference is that sponsor is really someone who's going to go out on a limb for you. Like the people that nominate women to CEO at our, our sponsors, they're saying, I vouch for that person. I putting my reputation somewhat on the line by saying, this is a person who will do a great job for you. Those are the people you want to find and cultivate in your network. People that will publicly say this person is great, will recommend them for jobs. And, and sometimes you have to ask for that and that's okay. And be receptive to what they might say back to you as far as maybe you're not quite ready. Maybe you want to think about this, but in general, people want to help. So yep. putting that intention and asking for it is key. I do a session, a presentation to job seekers mm -hmm. and, and it applies to also seeking mentors. And, you know, if you read an article about a female CEO and you aspire to be, you know, build a business like hers down the road, find her on LinkedIn, send her a connection request, you know, put a little information in there as to kind of why you want to connect. People love to give advice. And so, you know, not being afraid, don't hold back. You mm -hmm. know, if you, if you hold yourself back, oh, she'll never respond. Mm -hmm. She'll never respond unless you, you try, like right. <laughs> more often than not. Pardon me, more often than not, she's going to respond. One of the other interesting things that kind of came to mind, my wife, you know, I'd say, yeah, my wife works at Vanderbilt. And oftentimes I get the question, oh, is she a nurse? And I was like, no, she's a pediatric hematologist, oncologist with a specialty in pediatric transfusion medicine. And she's the medical director of the blood bank. And I say it that way on purpose to help them understand you made the assumption she was a nurse because of her gender. And it's one of the same reasons. That's a lot of the same. I'll say when I had somebody say, why do we need a women's physician's day? Because 364 days out of the year, it's male physician's day. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. until my wife can tell somebody she works at the hospital without being asked, Oh, are you a nurse? It should be asked, are you a physician? If they ask that, are you a doctor? The, the, when that happens? Yeah. Maybe we don't need a women's physician's day, but until then, People need to know that 51% of doctors are female. Don't ever just make an assumption. Ask the person, what do you do? Or, or say, are you a doctor? They can always say, oh, no, I'm a nurse or I'm a nurse practitioner. Let them answer. Don't make the assumption. Don't be a jerk. And that's why. And then on my, my daughter, she wants to open up a restaurant. She's been wanting, she's been talking about this forever. And the first thing people ask are, oh, are you going to be the cook in the back? She's like, no, I'm going to run it. <laughs> like, like, and, and so, so she, you know, so she's, but she sees her mom, she's got and someone to emulate someone mm -hmm. that's given. And, and she's also got a supportive dad who's saying, kid, you can be whatever you want. Right. Like, as long as you're not hurting people, like we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I agree. And we can all, I, I catch myself saying things I shouldn't like repair, man. I had 
the repairman come over today. And it was in fact a man, but I, I did correct myself to be, say repair person. And we all need to just, we can all get better. We can all make changes. We all have to evolve because if we're not evolving, what's the point? If we're not yeah. getting better, leaving the world a better place. What's the point? Yeah. And it's, and the thing is it's getting outside the comfort zone when you're asking a, a board that probably consists hundred percent male, which is very common to, to select a female CEO. You're asking them to get out of their comfort zone because they've probably, they've probably never worked with a female CEO. And I think there's a whole initiative called know your worth. And I think there's even a book about it. I bought that for my wife and, and it was a huge, hugely impactful for her. She got very good at negotiating salary. <laughs> I'll tell you that. And I think it's just, there's so many more resources out there. It's just, there just need to be, there, people need to be, connect, women need to be connected with that information, connected with the people that, that care about their careers, care about them as people to then ultimately, you know, help them get into the roles that they, they deserve to be in and have yep. earned the right to be in. Absolutely. In most cases, more than earned. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. You know, Luann, I, I think we're bumping up on the 30 minutes now, but what I'd like to do is just kind of close, you know, again, and love for you to just kind of reiterate how people can connect with you, uh, how you'd prefer the connections. And thank you so much. Thanks for the fun discussion. I could talk about gender issues all day long and I appreciate it when it's with someone like you. So thank you. Uh, yeah. Any, any woman who's really aspiring to be a CEO, and if you're not, think about putting that in your, in your career path, feel free to reach out to me and or ask a senior leader in your network to nominate you, which they can do on our website. So hello at projectceox.com works and um, just really looking forward to talking to more amazing women out there. Awesome. Well, Luann, thank you so much. Look forward to, to kind of getting, seeing what our feedback is as people listen to this and give us their thoughts. And let's see how many people reach out. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for connecting.